Chapter 6 of The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Social War of 1900, or The Conspirators and Lovers, by Simon Landis. Chapter 6 The Serpent at Lucinda's Bedside. Miss Lucinda Armington was a beautiful young lady of medium size. She had heavenly blue eyes, a brow like an angel, and altogether the face of a seraph. Her form was slender, but magnificently cut, a bust of wonderful symmetry, and beautiful arms and hands, her hair chestnut-brown and beautifully curly, whilst her disposition was that of benevolent and frank character which would curl or entwine itself around every one, of either sex, who came in contact with the fair damsel. She loved the beautiful in nature, and adored gentlemen who were governed by principle instead of policy. In other words, she was the facsimile of Victor Juno in sentiment and spirit. After she had learned of the deep interest that Victor Juno took in her, his unselfish acts in rescuing her and her father, and when she knew that he suffered so excruciatingly on her account, she seemed to get well almost at once. She said to her father, a few days after his recital of the condition in which he found the young hero, "'Father, why should not I be equally brave and determined to save Victor Juno's life as he was to save mine?' "'My darling, I should be pleased to see you use every effort to do so,' responded the father. The day that General Armington accompanied Dr. Toy Pansy to Victor Juno's house, Deacon Rob Stew, after sending his servant for Victor's family doctor, went to visit Miss Lucinda Armington, and said, "'Miss Lucinda, I hope you are pleased with my selection of a physician for your courageous young savior. I mean, Mr. Juno.' Almost sneeringly and savagely he uttered these words, which caused Miss Armington to start and ejaculate, Deacon, I am very much indebted to you for going to so much trouble. Had I known that it would have inconvenienced you so much, I should not have spoken of a physician in your presence as I did. Then father would not have thought of burdening you to select an eminent doctor. My dear Miss Lucinda, you do not understand me. I have not said, nor felt, it was the least trouble to serve you or this young gentleman. But when I spoke, an idea, not pleasing, concerning another matter entirely, flashed through my mind, which caused me to express myself a little emphatic, which I humbly pray you to pardon. For you must be aware that we are all sinners. But thank God that His grace is abundant toward His elect," humbly responded Deacon Rob Stew. "'Your apology is accepted, and I am glad that I have not asked too much of you but when I come to think, it was not my intention to have you select a physician, but it was father's doings, who has such unfeigned confidence in your worth and goodness," said Miss Armington. "'I appreciate this compliment, and shall endeavour to merit it if God is willing,' replied the deacon. After exchanging many words with Miss Lucinda, the overrated deacon departed, but accidentally met Pat O'Connor again just as he was leaving the piazza, when the deacon said, "'Pat, how do you find things to-day? Have you heard anything lately of this Mr. Juno?' "'Surely your honour must know more than I do's of what am going on in this house, 
or at Mr. Juno's place. You're a cunning gentleman. Bejabbers, you make hay, I believe, while the sun shines. Will your honour have the graciousness to keep my sacred away from Miss Armington? said Pat. Pat, never fear me, but to convince you of my trustworthiness, I will tell you a great secret, if you promise to hold it sacred and will serve me," replied the deacon. "'Ah, murder, your honour! Don't be a place of me on a quality with your holy self. I am only a poor working Irishman. Howsoever, I can keep secrets, I warrant you, and if I can sarve you, we'll do it without thanks," said Pat. "'I believe you, Pat, and as you confided in me without solicitation on my part, I will now return the compliment, and tell you that I hate that Victor Juno. He is a heathen, a heretic, and an impudent innovator. And although, good Pat, you and I do not agree in religion exactly, yet we are Christians, whom this Mr. Juno tries to undermine and ruin by his worldly notions. Therefore, Pat, will you help us to put him where he belongs?" questioned Deacon Rob Stew. Well, Your Honor, I bees at your service to do anything that bees not too indecent, but I am a tinkin where this Juno chap belongs. Will your honour please tell me? said Pat. Why, sir, he belongs to the ground from whence he came, and I have a plan at work that will place him forever beyond stepping into my or your path, ejaculated the deacon in reckless anger. Ach, holy Moses! meditated Pat. I smell a mighty big rat, or I'm no man," and said, "'Your honour knows what's best, and I will be sacred and sarve ye in any manner. But here comes Judy McCrae, so good day to your honour. "'Judy, darling, and I have a sacred to confide to your bosom, could I but fail certain that me darling could keep a dreadful sacred,' said Pat. "'Why, Pat, ye spakes like a crazy man. Do ye think I become a traitress and a vagabond? And have you lost faith in your Judy? angrily said Judy. No, me darling, be my soul, ye are accusing me wrongly. Howsoever, I have a monstrous sacred to tell ye, and if ye promise to keep it good, I will give it ye, and I want ye to help me worry the matter out, said Pat. And sure I'll do it all as ye please, dear Pat, responded Judy. Open your eyes then, Judy darling, and listen. Do you know that old hypocrite Dagon Stew bees mean and harm to the brave young lord Victor Juno? said Pat. You do not mean that, replied Judy. Mean it, Begora, I knows it. But I'll fix the dirty old blackguard, or I'm no man. Judy, darling, will you help me to watch the squalid curmudgeon? said Pat. Certainly I will, responded Judy. A blazing idea strikes me mind, and that bees. We must tell Miss Armington of the attempt this Dakin bees making to murder Victor Juno," said Pat. "Murder Juno," ejaculated Judy. "Yes, bloody murder. Just now a breedin." "You get Miss Armington to consult with ye and me, and do it quick," said Pat, as though new danger fired up his soul. Judy McCrae was a faithful nurse who would have willingly lost her own life for her mistress and she was already aware that Miss Lucinda Armington loved Victor Juno. Therefore she hurried to find her ladyship, to bring her to Pat O'Connor, for the purpose of giving her the news. Miss Armington said, "'Judy, what does Pat want with me?' "'Ach, oh, my sweet lady, 
and he has a parcel to tell you what will make your blood freeze," nervously replied Judy. "'Tell me, what does he mean?' said Miss Armington. "'Indeed, and I couldn't tell you, because I do not know much about it,' responded Judy. "'Well, Judy, I'll go with you in a moment to hear what Pat has to say,' said Miss Armington. They passed out together to consult Pat, who bowed profoundly to Miss Armington, and said, "'Do the lady desire to learn of the deviltry that am a-hatchin?' "'Yes, Pat, I am curious to know the news,' replied Miss Armington. "'Your ladyship,' said Pat, after suspiciously looking all around, "'I could not tell you here, but let us go to some sacred place, when I'll teach you a wonder.' "'Come, then, let us go into the library,' responded Miss Armington. End of chapter 6